How will the recently passed infrastructure bill affect shippers and carriers? The latest on holiday shopping trends and the drive for smaller logistics facilities. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Aptian is a global provider of mission-critical, industry-specific logistics and transportation management solutions. Aptian Routing and Scheduling delivers the most advanced transportation management systems to world-leading brands, helping to streamline daily operational processes, including route planning and proof of delivery. If you're ready to make savings of up to 30% and unlock the value of your transportation operation, Aptian can help. Visit aptian.com to discover what's next now. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, it seems like years that we've all been waiting for a substantial infrastructure bill, and now we finally have it. But how will that newly enacted legislation affect shippers and carriers? To discuss that, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thank you, Dave. Yes, our guest today is Mike Nervik, founder and CEO of supply chain te technology firm Sleek Technologies. And as you say, he's here to talk with us about the recent infrastructure bill and what the supply chain can expect next. Welcome, Mike. Oh, thank you, Victoria. I'm glad to be here. Great. Well, I wanted to start off by asking you just to tell us a little bit about Sleek Technologies. You know, what is it that you do and what's your role in the supply chain? Thank you. Um, our, we, we develop SaaS products that use data to drive intelligent automation in the freight procurement process. Um, you know, shippers historically with the tech that's out there today um, are limited to using about, you know, carrier base in the hundreds. And uh, our automation allows them to increase that supply uh, to better to better serve their demand, and that helps reduce their cogs and, and bring down inflationary pressures. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about the recent infrastructure bill. Uh, what does its passage mean to the freight industry, and what can we expect to see in terms of sort of next steps? Yeah, well, I, I, it's huge in a couple of ways. So I want, you know, a lot of positive benefits, a lot of uh, I think short-term negative pressures, but we'll get to that later. Um, but but this is supposed to be the biggest thing in transportation since the New Deal. Um, it's got 284 billion dollars uh, of new transportation spending that's going to go towards roads and bridges, and and so in the long run, it's going to make things flow a lot more efficiently. Um, a ton of it also going into um, rail, which includes not just passenger, but also freight. And then the ports, waterways, airports is getting a big chunk as well. It should be hugely beneficial once it's done, but these aren't shovel-ready projects. These are, are real core infrastructure deals. And they've added in you know, a new twist about um, equity and, and things like that, that, I, that could slow down the process of determining where they're gonna put the money in the first place. But I know, from what I hear, Pete Buttigieg is uh, very busy with um, governors and mayors all over the country uh, vying for dollars from him right now. 
Yeah, so that that leads to my uh, what I was going to ask you next about, you know, in recent weeks, we've heard a lot of reports about how this bill may impact different states in terms of projects and, and different regions of the country. Do you have a sense of where spending will have the greatest impact regionally? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be definitely based on density. Um, so, you know, places like Texas, California, Florida, Illinois, the Northeast are going to get a ton of the um, of the dollars when you, when you look at how it's going to be spread out. Obviously, places with ports are going to get a decent amount of dollars. But, you know, what will be interesting is those places that are most dense are already experiencing the biggest traffic issues. And so, you know, how will that impact as all these projects start to kick off as well? And I'm going to skip back to something you mentioned earlier. So right now, you really don't have a sense of, of timing on any of this. It's just sort of waiting to see how all of this plays out. Is that kind of where we are? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say waiting to see how it plays out because they, <laughs> it, it, it is actively happening right now. But it is okay. going to take, uh, you know, a few months to really start getting going and, and even years before it's really all figured out and deployed because it is such a big deal. I mean, the the 285 uh, billion and to go into transportation, that's just new spending. Um, that's not, uh, that doesn't include all of the spending that was already existing and just got renewed. Um, so they have to, you know, put together uh, actually new government groups to help determine where they're gonna spend it. So it, it'll, it'll take a little while to get cranked up. I see. Thanks. Um, what do you? What effect do you think the bill may have on some of the freight industry's biggest challenges they're seeing right now? You know that includes you know, capacity constraints, labor challenges, rising costs, all of those kinds of things. In in the short term, as it gets going, I think it's going to have um, it's going to apply a decent amount of pressure on it. You know the 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 pool of laborers that are the truck drivers that are the warehouse workers are uh, can also be the same people that are out doing these types of projects. So that's going to put, you know, further pressure on the labor market um, and, and likely drive down unemployment quite a bit. Um, but also, you know, as that starts to happen and as they're, you know, I'm in Chicago, and so it's impossible to get to and from the city, especially near rush hour. As these projects kick off, that'll get more difficult. And then um, you add into that, Drivers will be getting to warehouses that are that are already understaffed, and they'll probably continue to face that. Um, and I think so. I think that that type of stuff is going to have um, some inflationary pressures on tra transportation as, as well. The bill includes um, spending that will expand access to reliable high-speed internet service. Uh, do you have a sense of how that will affect the freight industry at all? Yeah, I think I think that's going to be a good thing overall for the for the transportation industry because it'll provide better coverage for the visibility tools that are out there, um, as well as for a lot of the stuff that we're working on and 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 planning for the future. Um, but anything they can do to to um, create better co connectivity for the drivers that are in the trucks back to the software of their home offices of the shippers, of the manufacturers, of the retailers should help to streamline things and hopefully help curtail some of the other inflationary pressures. Um, but, it, you know, there's large parts of the country where it, being able to track any type of vehicle um, gets extremely difficult because there's just not enough coverage out there. Right.
Right. What are there any other ways um, you know that this bill you're seeing will have an effect on freight markets and 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 what you do every day as well? You know, anything we sort of haven't touched on yet? Well, yeah. One thing we didn't touch on is just the amount of product and uh, you know raw materials that are going to have to be moved over the road, over boats, however however they're going to get it there. Um, that's also going to make the freight market tighter, right? Um, yeah. For, for them to spend this much money on roads and stuff, that's going to take a lot of things moving. So I think that's going to create a lot of pressure. But I think, it, you know, it's hopefully we'll start to reap some of the benefits of this in, in the next, you know, within five years. Um, but, but I'm guessing it's going to be more like 10 years before we really start to see the true differences. And when, when that happens, I think we're going to, um, you know, it, it should make a major difference because the, the roads are, um, have been deteriorating for many years, the bridges, et cetera. And so to be able to widen out some of this, some of the infrastructure that's out there, I'm, I'm really hoping that, that they're able to use it to widen some of the roads around me. And I know in all of the major metropolitan areas, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, just sits around waiting for a, uh, something huge like this to come along and, and doesn't happen often. Yeah, it's certainly, yeah, it's certainly been a long time coming. So you're, you're absolutely right. Hopefully we'll start seeing some results uh, sooner rather than later. Um, Mike, thanks so much for being here today. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very much, Victoria. It was a pleasure. We've been talking with Mike Nervik of Sleek Technologies. Uh, back to you, Dave. Thank you, Mike and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Ben, you reported this week on holiday shopping trends and their impact on e-commerce and omni-channel. What more can you tell us? Yeah, the winter peak shopping season is finally here after months of preparation and efforts to build up that inventory by retailers, shippers, 3PLs, carriers, uh, really everybody in the uh, spectrum that we cover here at the magazine. Uh, of course, that process has been a lot harder than usual this year uh, because of some of the mega trends we've been seeing, like, of course, the pandemic, uh, more recently port delays, tight trucking capacity, labor shortages. But the season came anyway. It officially kicked off the day after Thanksgiving, and the early results show that shopping patterns, and thus those ripple impacts on the whole logistics landscape, uh, continue to change. Uh, so first, just by the numbers, on Black Friday, a week ago now, U.S. shoppers spent about $13 billion. Uh, that was an increase of 5% over last year. And uh, they were projected to spend about $11 billion um, on Cyber Monday, uh, which followed right after. Uh, that would be flat growth compared to 2020. Uh, the data comes from Salesforce. That's an enterprise software vendor that makes the commerce tools that are used by a lot of the nation's top retailers. So those numbers are solid, but not spectacular, uh, especially given that the American consumer has played a huge role in keeping the U.S. economy afloat throughout the pandemic. So what happened? Uh, the basic explanation is a long-term trend toward uh, what some experts call smoothing out demand throughout the entire winter peak, which of course has the side effect of diminishing the importance of specific you know one day surge dates like the black friday and cyber monday that we were talking about so as salesforce said it's been less about cyber week and more about cyber november and that was more true than ever this year because consumers saw challenges like supply chain bottlenecks that we mentioned and uh, some fears of inflation 
So uh, by the numbers, they decided to shop early and often. Right. And of course, the media and including DC Velocity have been telling people to expect that. So uh, it is good that people listened and shopped early with a lot of these kinds of things. But how do those changes affect retail supply chains? Yeah, good question. So for one thing, uh, Salesforce found that uh, retailers had lower holiday inventory levels than usual, holding about 6% less in terms of goods over Cyber Week than last year. But while inventory may be lean, uh, retailers did uh, not cite inventory shortages as an issue, according to another study uh, that came from CBRE, that's the Industrial Real Estate Group. So in fact, shoppers trying to avoid shipping delays that we've been uh, talking about, you just mentioned, actually uh, preferred to shop in store. And that was uh, revealed by a drop in buy online, pick up in store, Opus, uh, also the related curbside pickup, uh, and a corresponding increase over 2020 in personal attendance at events. Uh, that's like you know Santa meetings and light shows and things that happen in malls. Uh, so CBRE found that data on shoppers' visits to the brick-and-mortar stores, uh, counted by foot traffic on Black Friday, was up significantly compared to, of course, the pandemic impacted 2020, but it also met or even exceeded 2019 numbers at most locations. Uh, another change uh, in shopping patterns is that retailers are trying to calm shoppers or reassure them who might be concerned about rising prices that would be caused either by scarcity of goods or inflation, by offering special deals, such as uh, financing terms. Uh, it's also called buy now, pay later. Uh, so Salesforce was looking at that and said that shoppers drove uh, a 37% increase in buy now, pay later usage over Cyber Week. Uh, that's by dollar amount. And it covers uh, about 8% of all the orders they made. So that's another way that retail supply chains are uh, finding creative ways to deal with the problems that we've all been reading about in the headlines. It's a few weeks yet to go before the holidays. So be interesting to see if those trends continue. Thanks, Ben. Glad to. And Victoria, you wrote this week about how increases in online shopping is driving demand for smaller logistics facilities. Can you share some more details on that story? Absolutely, yeah. And this is a continuation of a trend we've, we've seen quite a bit. So accelerating e-commerce activity and also a, a growing need for last mile delivery services really continues to shape uh, the industrial real estate market. Uh, more companies are seeking small to mid-sized warehousing and distribution facilities near urban markets to satisfy those, those demands. And we saw more evidence of this trend um, earlier this week with the release of a third quarter leasing data um, and trends from the real estate firm JLL. What they reported is that companies leased about 138 million square feet of industrial space in the third quarter of this year, and that's a new high. Um, and interestingly, more than half of the leasing came from users looking for space below the 100,000 square foot mark, with the most popular size segment being between 10,000 and 49,000 square feet. Um, this reflects, as we said, the surge in e-commerce that we've been seeing, of course, also combined with things like labor shortages and changing consumer expectations. Uh, the situation has been putting a ton of pressure on supply chains, as we've been talking about, and really fueling demand for logistics services overall. 
Um, what's interesting now is that it's becoming increasingly clear that um, distribution and third-party logistics services providers are clamoring for this space, and that's what this report said as well. Those groups accounted for more than 28% of leasing activity in the third quarter. So uh, definitely a lot more activity from uh, the industry that we uh, talk about all the time. Yeah, it certainly is. And you mentioned demand for facilities near urban markets. How is that trend shaping up? Yeah, that's right. So, um, and this is driven largely by the need for that, you know, speedy last mile delivery that we've been talking about. Um, we're seeing rapid growth uh, in urban logistics, of course, and JL, the JLL report pointed to New York City as a prime example of this. So the outer boroughs of New York have seen a 24% increase in light truck driver hiring since 2019, and that compares to a 15% increase nationwide. So they're seeing a lot more activity there. The region has also seen rapid growth in the construction of industrial space. In 2019, so two years ago, there were there was uh, 540,000 square feet of space under construction in the New York City area, and that figure has grown to more than uh, 3.4 million square feet in the works now at the end of the third quarter this year. Uh, in addition, some other stats that they pointed to, um, small bay warehouses, warehouse facilities in New York City and northern New Jersey, those that are less than 100,000 square feet, have seen a steady increase um, in leasing since 2019 as well. At the end of this, uh, the third quarter, two years ago, the region accounted for about 148 small bay leases, totaling more than 4.4 million square feet. And at the end of this quarter, two years later, uh, those numbers really increased to 213 leases, totaling more than 6 million square feet. So lots of growth and demand for space and a trend that um, many JLL and many other firms like them and economists as well are saying are going to only continue. Right. And it's a trend that is likely to continue, I guess, as more people continue to urbanize their lives. Thanks, Victoria. Absolutely. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights from the news this week. Happy to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. And again, our thanks to Mike Nervik of Sleet Technologies for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. And we also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we also encourage you to check out our new 11-part limited podcast series from CSCMP's Supply Chain Quarterly on the top 10 supply chain threats. This week, we address managing holiday peaks, and in following weeks, we'll devote segments to other critical threats to our supply chains. Search for your favorite podcast platform for the top 10 supply chain threats to subscribe, and also to listen to past episodes. And a reminder, Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Aptian routing and scheduling supports logistics and delivery fulfillment operations with the tools needed to optimize resources automate route planning and proof of delivery processes, and drive savings of up to 30%. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service, reduce costs, and drive growth. Aptian Routing and Scheduling can help. Visit aptian.com and discover how now. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, so be sure to join us. Until then, Please stay safe and have a great week.